Are you enjoying this series that we've begun here, Chiseled Day, the Chiseled series? Character building, character shaping. Before I go too far, can we, just, can we just give a round of applause? We don't always do this. But how about those two masterpieces that Pastor Kim has preached the last two weeks, for those of you that have been here? I mean, like, right? Right? Like, if, if you haven't had a chance to listen to those, I encourage you to hop online, get those, and, uh, and, and dive into those, digest those. Uh, it's just so, so good. We're, we're looking at this, this idea of, of how it is that we are to contribute, that we're to come and, and present ourselves in this process of becoming more like Jesus. That, that in, in, in a sense that there's a, there's, we, we have a shape and we have a form, but over a period of time in partnership with the Holy Spirit, as God has handed us, see that's the thing, one of the things that's been said the last couple weeks that really, really stood out to me is, you know, is God, God would be, you know, the, the, the architect of the, the whole thing, but, but, you, but you're, you're the builder. Like you've got, you've got a job to do. There's, there's something that we know that God has created you for. There's something that we know that he desires to establish in you, that, that he sees you to, to stand for, but it's your response, it's my response. On daily, we are making decisions that are etching and that are carving something into and out of our lives. So my question to you this morning and that which overarchs everything that will be said for the few minutes that we have to get is how is it that you are shaping up? How are you shaping up in this process? Is there some things that perhaps that God would like to add to you or to perhaps remove from you? How is it that you are shaping up? Did you know that presently, right now, we are the most connected that we've ever been? That right now, if you wanted to, you could send an email, you could send a text message, you could send a voice note, you could, you could post an Instagram, you could send an inappropriate gift to somebody, you could, you could you know, you know, copy and paste a meme. You, we, could do, we could have so much that we're able to do because of technology, because of these, these, these phone, smartphones, that we are, we are more connected right now. We're the most connected generation in the history of the world. The most connected, that these devices were created to connect us so that we could be in instant contact with each other, so that we could quickly post pictures that are somewhat accurate of what it is that is happening and make others around us feel jealous about it. That we are the, this is the most connected that we have ever been in the history of humankind. Yet, a group of researchers have gotten together and have decided that they need to work on a pill to address the problem of loneliness. That researchers are working on a pill for loneliness as studies suggest the condition is actually worse than obesity. We're the most connected that we've ever been, but researchers and, and, and doctoral students are coming together and they're, they're recognizing that there's a problem. That for a generation that has been given the tools, for, for a people group that has been given the tools to remain so connected, we're so disconnected with what's going on. That they're actually trying to produce some form of pharma that could actually address the problem of loneliness. See, the world recognizes, friends, that this is an issue. But I want you to know that we as a body of Christ, we actually have the answer. 
So, so that which they're trying to create and form into capsule, we have in the form of creator. The, the, we, we have the answer. But the answer isn't in just Jesus alone. Oh, wait, Pastor, is this one of those Jesus and something else messages? I've been warned about this. I saw a video on YouTube. Listen, it's Jesus and his spirit in partnership and in relationship with you that could be used to bring the aid to loneliness in this world. That you are required to be a part of this. That we are designed and created in such a way where we actually need one another. The self-help, the self-help industry is a $45 billion a year industry. And it has been created in such a way. It has been created for such purpose as to force people like yourself and myself into believing that we can actually fix the problem on our own. We're just told that all you need to do is work a little harder, or maybe not work harder, but work smarter. Or, and, and if you just put your head down, and if you just, you know, put your head between your knees and repeat 10 times that you're awesome. And if, uh, you know, and if you, and if you just get a little more zen, or, you know, get a little more fun in your shui, and, and, you know, if you just, if you just do more yoga or whatever, like there's all these things. And these are, and I, I don't know if that's a thing, but that's not a thing. I don't, I don't yoga much. And so, uh, but there's all these things, and listen, within that, it, like, there's some great books, and there's some great little pieces, and some, and some great things that maybe we can grab, but that's not the answer. You can't find the answer to loneliness in yourself. But it's found in community. And this is a pillar for us as, as believers, for those of us that would believe in, in, in the Bible, and that we would say that, you know, this is, that this is true, that this is more than just some sort of, you know, book that's just created to make us feel better about when this all comes to an end. Like for those of us that believe that this is, this, is the, this is the word of God, you need to understand that one of the pillars, we, get, we find it in Genesis in the very beginning, first chapter, first couple verses, we see togetherness, that God is creating things, that before the earth was, God was there, and the spirit of God is hovering over the waters. Here we see togetherness, God and his spirit. We keep, we keep reading and, and we get into Genesis chapter one, uh, verse 26, and, and they're talking about creating people, they're talking about creating man. And, 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 the, and the scripture uses this thing, let us make man in our image. So it's this, it's this plural, like it's, it's, it's not just God, but we have that Trinitarian viewpoint where it's God and, and you know, the Father and, and, and the Holy Spirit, you know, and, and, and the Son who, who's to come. And we read about him, you know, more in the chapters that are ahead. But there's a togetherness, there's a, there's a community, and we see how that togetherness, we see how that co-relationship, we can see how that actually was used to, to create something, to create a world that prior to that was void. There was nothing. It was dark. It was a lonely thing. It was isolated. But togetherness birthed something beautiful. That you and I were not created to do this life alone. That we have being made in that said image as we're being refined and chiseled into being more to his likeness. There's a desire that grows within us for community and for togetherness. Throughout Genesis, we read of this plural language. We read of the 
togetherness and we have this moment where Adam is created from the, from the dust, from the, from the dirt. And then following that, the Lord says this, God says, it's, it's not good. See, he's made all these things and it's all been good. Things have been going good and that's good and this is good and, and that, that's good as well. And he makes man and he said, you know, this is, this is very good. And he said, but, this, but it's not good that man should be alone. That's what he says. Can you believe it? So we have reason to believe and others have preached the same and other philosophers and theologians have, 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 have studied the same scripture, come to the same conclusion that it seems as though from what it is that we're reading that God wasn't enough. Adam in relationship with God, it, it, was, it was good. It was very good. But he says it's not good for man to be alone. So he creates for him Eve from his rib. I think there's a reason, just as an aside, I think there's a reason why the helper that was created, why the equal that God formed came from the side and not from his feet or from his head, because I think it just speaks to the imagery of how this is supposed to all work. It's not one pulling the other, it's not one, but it's, it's a, it's a co-partnership, it's a relationship, it's a togetherness that's encouraged. We're created for this. But the world would tell you that you're weak if you can't do it on your own. That there's some sort of shame or heaviness or, 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 or feeling of insecurity or inadequacy based on an inability to pull myself out of it. I've talked to you many times over the last year. Man, I, I got to some pretty dark places. Over the last year of our lives and everything that was going on, I mean, there was moments where I really needed community. And I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for your kindness. I'm thankful for your generosity. I'm thankful for your prayers. And I'm, I'm thankful for your time. But I noticed something about myself is that when, when I go really dark, like when I, when I go to a place that I'm not necessarily proud of, I don't have the tendency to reach out. I have the tendency to just begin to, well, I turn isolation into an idol. And I go so insular and I just try to fix it on my own strength and I try to, I try to do something. And, and so I'll, I'll repeat the things, you know, maybe 10 times and I'll, and I'll read all the scriptures and I'll, I'll go back and look in journals and I'll, and I'll, I'll listen to all the songs, but it doesn't always help. But I have a couple of friends in my life that at moments where I've gone out of my way to shut the door, lock it, and keep it closed, that they know me well enough and how to kick it down so that they can get into it. And it's, it, we need this. I just, I just need to tell you before we go any further this morning, if you're here and you feel alone right now, you don't have to leave here feeling that way. That if you have turned your isolation into an idol, I need you to know that you can change that here this morning. And it isn't up to somebody, it's not someone else's responsibility to try to reach out to you. It might actually come down to you actually seeing yourself as worth reaching out. And quite often we don't want to bother people with our issues and bother people with our problems and then we'll sit all alone and we'll jump from church to church to church to church to church because well I just went there and I was there for two weeks and I didn't feel connected. (laughs) 
Listen, I just want you to know, I have a, I have a pretty good understanding of what goes on here in this church. Now, especially that I, I work here again. And... Um, I know that there are so many opportunities on a Sunday morning for you to get connected. I mean, we've got things like Purpose Track. You know, we, we've, got, we've got, you can sign up for a connect group anytime that you want. We, we've got people all over the lobby whose responsibility is just to make themselves available to you. We've got a group of people in the cafe that are giving you free coffee. We're even trying to, we're, we're trying to lure you in. You know, we, there's, listen, if you leave here this morning and you don't feel connected, I want you to know, with all due respect, that's not on us. We should probably just stick to the notes. Let's just get back to <laughs> This is what happens when I go off script. I'm so sorry, sweetheart. We're going to be here by ourselves next week. Um, listen, my hope would be to you this morning is that as God would hopefully speak through his words and speak through these scriptures and speak through these thoughts that we have for these next few moments, is that you would recognize yourself as worth dying for. That regardless to what you've said, regardless to what you've done, regardless to where you've been, regardless to what it is that you think you've managed to make yourself look like up until now, my hope for you this morning is that you would recognize that God has previously determined that you were worth dying for. So connect yourself. Plug in. Put yourself out there. Just see what happens. You might be amazed as to what it is that this establishes and begins to do in your life because I need you to understand this morning that loneliness is lethal to your soul. That loneliness is lethal to your soul. That your decision, my decision, our decision together to remain in a lonely state is lethal to not only our souls but to also ourselves. This actually affects your health. There are studies that have been done. There are studies that have been done. And it has been discovered that people that use the terms me, my, and I more frequently than others are multiple times more likely to suffer from cardiovascular disease and or a heart attack. As an only child, when I read that, that frightened me. Immediately, I was checking my pulse. I was ready to do the whole 911 feature on my watch. You know, that, that kind of frightened me a little bit. I shared that with Kim, and all Kim did, she laughed at me when I shared that. She oh, you're in trouble. That's what she said. I love her. <laughs> but it makes you think. In fact, you know, the place in the world where it actually has uh, the, the, the lowest percentage of cardiovascular disease is in Japan. In Japan, they have the lowest percentage of cardiovascular disease. They have the highest number of centurions, which means people that have lived to be at least 100. And it's also universally thought, accepted, and expected that once you hit a certain age as a male, that you just smoke. So the way that I've read this is it would be better for you this afternoon to smoke a pack of cigarettes with a good group of friends than it is for you to go home and just get on Facebook and talk about how miserable your life is. Now don't hear what I'm not saying, okay? Smoking doesn't send you to hell, it just makes you smell like it, okay? But what I am saying 
There are things that we have determined in our culture as to be really, really bad. Or do you not know the science behind that? Like how many labels do you have to read on the, you still do that? I can't believe, oh my, there's things that we have determined that are just so wrong, just so lethal, just so unhealthy. But I want you to know your loneliness and that place of insecurity and, and that isolation that you choose to live, that you choose to live in is actually more damaging to your health. That in Japan, I've never been, and as of the last, I'm not traveling ever again. It's never going anywhere. <laughs> I went to High Street last week. I brought my passport and two carry-ons. I was freaking out. <laughs> listen, if, if, listen it's, it's so important. If you go to Japan, everybody kicks off their shoes, which I just think is kind of, and everybody's sitting cross-legged. You know, I'm amazed I can do this right now. I talk about flexibility. God is doing something right now. Um, <laughs> They're sitting cross-legged around these little tables. Complete, you go into restaurants, complete strangers. You're sitting cross-legged, like leaning on strangers and like talking and you're eating off their plates. This is weird, but they value community. If you were to pull the Japanese and say, what is the most important thing when it comes to your human existence? The vast percentage of people say community, togetherness, and to making a positive difference in this world. If you pull the same number of North Americans, the thing that comes to the top of the list every single time, goals, prosperity, and doing something of value. We value the wrong things. So there they are, chain smoking away over in Japan, living till they're 108. <laughs> and here we are trying to keep up with the Joneses and envious over every single person's Instagram, and we're dying at 74. I'm moving to Japan, taking up smoking. That's what I've decided. <laughs> we value the wrong things. I want to value community. I want to value the family of God. I want to value the church because I believe it is the answer that as we talked about, researchers right now are trying so desperately to form and to fit into a pill. We have it. Okay. Genesis chapter 18. Looking at David's life. David had a friend. He had a really, really good friend. He had somebody that he trusted. He had somebody that he loved. He had somebody that he cared about. He had somebody that cared about him. And his name is Jonathan. Here's one of the places where we're first introduced to Jonathan and David and their relationship. In chapter 18, verse 1, it says, As soon as he had finished speaking, this is, uh, this is David who was speaking to Saul. He's just come back. We're just following up where it was that Pastor Kim took us so beautifully last week. He's just come back after defeating Goliath. You know, he's, he's brought the head back, you know, his little sling in hand, you know. Everybody's just dumbfounded, you know. Like all the, all, remember the valley that they were fighting in and all the, you know, the Philistines on one side and God's people on the other. And here comes David sling and dragging this head of this giant behind him. Everybody's just shocked. Like they're just amazed. Like they're just like, can you believe this? Like look at this, David, you know. And like, and it's like, it's so, it's a moment that just really stands out and he, he begins to talk to Saul and this is where we find it in chapter 18 verse 1, as soon as he had finished, that's David speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan who was Saul's son, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. That the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. We go on to continue reading in that chapter, and what ends up happening is that Jonathan actually offers David a gift. He offers David a gift of, of his own armor. 
The, the same armor that Jonathan would have wore and, and, and his sword and all these things. And on top of that, he also offers his robe. It was a royal robe because his dad was the king. And so that was a pretty significant thing. Now, if memory serves me correctly, and just let me help you know, to refresh yours, just a chapter previous, the king, Saul, offered a similar gift to David. That prior to battle, prior to David determining that he was going to actually head out and take on that Philistine, Saul offered his armor to David, and David passed on it. He said, no, I don't think that that's really, I don't think that's mine, I don't think that's my fit, I don't think that that's really what I need for, for this, and, and, and so he actually passed, what, what's the difference? Here we are, less than a chapter, and one good fight, pretty one-sided, but one good fight later, and now the heart of David has shifted where he's able to receive something from someone that would be seen as lesser because, I mean, he wasn't the king. I mean, he was next in line for the throne. Well, what's the difference? I think the difference is this. I think that Saul and his extension of that gift to David was self-seeking and rather selfish. I think the effort there was to Perhaps, you know, make clear and make known who's David belong, who David belonged to. And perhaps even to attempt to convince or to, you know, to somehow uh, confuse the enemy that it was actually the king that was stepping out to face Goliath. We're actually told that, and we understand that that armor was made to fit Saul. That it was his. That it was for him. That it was, it was, it was fastened and curated and, and, and formed for his identity. It was to his measurements. It was his waist size. It was for his next, it was for Saul. It wasn't for David. I need you to know that there are two types of people, perhaps, that you call friends. And there's friends right now that are trying to put an identity on you. And then there's other friends that are trying to propel you forward in the things that God has purposed you. So this is what happens, is that Jonathan gives David very similar gifts, but he also does something different. He gives David his robe. And by giving him his royal robe, he actually very subtly speaks to the future that he believes that David has been called to. I need you to encourage yourself to surround yourself not with people that are trying to tell you how to be trying to tell you how to look trying to tell you how to fight trying to how you how to serve trying to tell what you need I don't people putting their own expectations their own identities their own you don't surround yourself with people like Saul you need to find somebody like Jonathan who isn't just going to give you what you need but he's also going to point you in the direction you need to go this is what it looks like to be knit to somebody if you're knit to someone they're not holding you back. If you're knit to someone, they're not envious of what it is that you choose to post. They're, they're, not, they're not hindered by your success, but rather they come underneath you and they help to push you forward. We all need someone that'll come alongside us, give us what we need, but also keep us on track to go where it is that we need to be going. This relationship continues to evolve. All of a sudden, amongst God's people, there's conversation, gossip. I know that doesn't happen here, but it did way back then. And, uh, and so they're saying, well, you know, well, David, was, he's like this. And where was Saul? Like, I, I don't even know. Have you even seen him? I, and they're having all these conversations, and they're talking about this, and they're talking about leadership, and who would be better, and who would be best, and... Needless to say, this all gets back to Saul. I mean, David's become a really good friend of Jonathan's, and so, I mean, he's over at the house for dinner 
all the time. Sleeping over all the time. I mean, these guys are they're besties, man. They, they, they're just each other's ride or die. Like they just, they're, they're together. They spend time. They love each other. They're close. They're all those things. And, and we get to chapter 20 in 1 Samuel. We get to this story where, where David actually has said to Jonathan, he's like, I don't think that it's good that I come over to eat anymore. I don't think your dad likes me. You ever that conversation? I don't think your parents really like me hanging out here. Or my parents really don't like me hanging out with you. <laughs> There's this conversation that David initiates and Jonathan says, no, 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 it should be fine. He's like, no, I don't, I don't feel comfortable. And the context of chapter 20 is, is basically just that. David decides that he's going to not come to dinner and, and him and Jonathan kind of formulate a plan so that they can determine together just how mad Jonathan's dad, just how mad King Saul may or may not be. And in the context of chapter 20, we see these characteristics, these things that begin to roll themselves out. These keys that I believe are an indicator that you've chosen to knit yourself to someone. So what does it look like for us to be knit together? First thing is this. In chapter 20, verses 1. Second part of verse 1 and verse 2. David asks Jonathan, he says, Jonathan, he's like, I don't know what it is. I don't know what's taking place. He says, he goes, what have I done? What is my guilt? And what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? And Jonathan's, Jonathan's response is this. And he said to him, far from it, you shall not die. We all need that person in our life who can correct us when we need to be corrected. What does it look like to be knit? Well, in this story, Jonathan, he corrected David's thinking. In a moment where David was convinced that he had done something, he's convinced that he was guilty, he thought that he was blameless, he thought that he was, you know, he thought that he was right, he thought he'd done everything the way that it was supposed to be done. In that moment, he, he finds his friend Jonathan, he says, Jonathan, he says, what's going, what am I doing? What have I done wrong? What's, it, what's my, why does your dad hate me so much? Like, I don't even understand, man. Like, I just, last time I was over, he wouldn't even talk to me. He wouldn't even make eye contact with me. And Jonathan looks at David, he says, hey, 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 far from it, dude. Say, like, forget that. And you're not going to die. Listen, we all need someone that when we come to him, we're saying, hey, I don't know, but that somebody that can just look at you and say, hey, 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 that's not the case. Hey, that's not who you are. Hey, no, 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 that, that's, 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 not, that's, not, that's not who God says to you. No, that's not true. We also need somebody that can come alongside us at times and correct our thinking and say, hey, 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 you're wrong. We're kind of slow sometimes to invite that person into our lives. Um, but we need that. We need someone that we're knit together with, someone that we're tied together to who can correct our thinking when our thinking goes astray. There were moments where you can just sense in this story where David is just thinking, oh, you know, what have I done? And did I say something? And did I do something? What's my gilly? He's going to kill me. And this is, you need somebody that can say, hey, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Far from it. It's not who you are. It may look like you're surrounded. But I'm here, David. I I'm with you. I've got you. 
You're not thinking correctly. This is actually what's true. And you're not, you're not going to die. And those moments where you feel so alone, where you've convinced yourself that you're guilty of something that's completely unpardonable, where you've convinced yourself that you've done something just completely immoral and wrong, you begin to convince yourself of all these terrible and heinous things. You need somebody to say, hey, 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 far from it. That's not you. That's not who you are. You're better than that. You're different. But if we continue to isolate ourselves, well, the darkness only gets darker. And with our head down between our knees as we're trying to pull ourselves out of it like the world would tell us to, it's really difficult for us to make eye contact with the person that's probably trying to help pull us out. What does it look like to be knit together to someone? Well, first, Jonathan corrected David's thinking, and secondly, Jonathan covered David's back. They're now at dinner, and, and, and we read this in, in verse 30 and, and following to verse 34 in chapter 20. Saul, Saul goes on this tirade, like he goes on this rant. He starts, he starts telling mom jokes to Jonathan. <laughs> That's what happens. You read it. He's like, yeah, well, your mother was this and your mother was that and she was this. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, different people, you know, um, people that have studied the scriptures and kind of dove into this. Like, this is some pretty, you know, vulgar language that, you know, that Saul's using in this moment. And he could just see that he's angry. And, and here Jonathan is saying, listen, David didn't do anything wrong. And, and dad, he's, he's a good guy and he's my friend. And, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Saul just pulls out his spear and he, try, and he, tries, to, he tries to pin Jonathan to the wall. He's just like, that's it, you know, you've lost it. Like I'm, But in that moment, this is what I love. I, David wasn't even in the room, but Jonathan had his back covered. Find someone that can be in the room on your behalf, and you don't even need to worry about what they're be, what's being said. Hey, find somebody that can be in the room on your behalf. You go, I, I don't care what people, so-and-so got together for coffee. They only know one side of the story. I don't care what they say. So-and-so, they got my back. Make sure you knit yourself together with someone that is going to, that is, that is going to correct your thinking. But make sure you also knit yourself together with someone that's going to cover your back. I love, we get up into Ephesians and they talk about the armor of God and all the things you put on and breastplate of righteousness and helmet of salvation and you got the boots and the things and the swords and the belts. There's nothing covering the back. Why? Because the people that you're fighting, the people that you're surrounded by should probably have that covered. I don't need to worry about any of you saying anything about me behind my back because we're together in this, right? <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I noticed who clapped and who didn't. Thank you. Just joking. It's too dark in here. I can't see it. Now listen. Surround yourself with someone that's going to correct how it is that you think when you begin to think less of yourself, more lowly of yourself than you ought to. Find someone that's going to cover your back. Find someone that's going to protect you. Find someone that you trust that's at the base of this whole point. So that you trust, that you know has your best interest, that is willing to take shots for you on your behalf. Find one of those friends and knit yourself together with them. Le loneliness, it's, it's lethal to your soul. Loneliness, it's lethal to, to your health. It, it's, not, it's, not, it's not good. 
for you and I to be alone. But knit yourself together with someone that speaks to you, that does life with you in light of the future that God has called you to, that will correct your thinking, that will cover your back, and someone that will also compel you forward. So third point this morning, the third thought that I want to leave with you. What does it look like to be knit to someone? Jonathan compelled David forward. Jonathan goes and he finds David. He's been hiding behind this large bunch of rocks in the field. Long story, there was arrows and stuff and there was this whole plan that they had concocted. And anyways, Jonathan now has left the dinner table and he's found David in the field and they're in tears because he knows, he knows, he can tell. He can tell because of the turn of events. He knows that David is indeed out to get him. That David is angry. That David, er, that sorry, that, that Saul is angry. That, that Saul is, and he is ready to kill David. And Jonathan embraces his friend David and he says, David, he said, you need to go. You can't stay here. It's a paraphrase of what you read in verse 42. You've got to go. And he points out, he points towards the wilderness. He points towards unknown, but he points towards a future. And he points towards a hope. And it's set in light of the robe that he gave him back in chapter 18. You're going to be the king. You need to protect yourself. I'll go back and put myself in harm's way. I'll take the bullet. I'll take the, I'll take the bars. I'll deal, with the, I'll deal with dad. But you go. You go towards all that it is that we know that the Lord has for you, that he's promised, that he's anointed, that he's spoken over you, that I've closed you for. You go. We need people in our lives that are going to correct our thinking. We need people in our lives that are going to cover our backs. And we need people that are going to compel and point us towards greater days. Point us towards brighter tomorrows. Point us in light of the horizon. Not look at us in light of what's been done, but look at us in light of the sun and all that he's promised and all that he's spoken and all that he's said that you would one day become. Look towards that. Find someone that will fix your eyes towards the future that God has for you. Jonathan says, I'll go back to the city. Find somebody that won't let you go back to the things that you just got saved from. Find a friend. Knit yourself to a friend. Knit your soul to a friend that won't let you go back to that relationship that God saved you from. Oh, she loves me. No, she doesn't. Your one or two good friends know that. Just listen to them. They're trying to correct your thinking. I hit close to home for somebody, I could tell. <laughs> Find somebody that won't let you go back. That won't let you go back to the addiction. That won't let you go back to the dark. That won't let you go back to the less, but rather will point you towards the light. Knit yourself together. Find somebody you can smoke with. Just kidding. <laughs> But find somebody you can get low with. Find somebody you can sit with. Find somebody you can lean into. Find somebody you can lean on. Find somebody you can talk to. Find somebody you can confide in. Listen, it is your choice if you leave this room lonely. It's your choice if you get back into your car and drive back to wherever it is that you can. It's your choice. There are more than enough opportunities for you to connect here with God and to connect with other people. There's connect groups and there's the purpose track stuff and there's lovely kind people. There are so many opportunities for you. To, you don't need to do your life in isolation any longer. So stop making an idol out of your isolation. 
If you can't celebrate the good things that God is doing in the lives of other people, then you're going to be just like Saul. Because his whole demeanor turned towards David the moment that David had success. If you can't be around people that seemingly do more, are more, and are seemingly being more than perhaps you are, you've got a problem. That's not their fault for being sick. It's not their fault for pressing on to their feet. It's not their fault for doing, it's not their fault they got promoted. It's not, for those of you that are single and still very much looking, it's not your friend's fault that they're married and you're not yet. It's not their fault. It's yours. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I said that. Thanks for all not running to the doors. But choose, choose this morning to adjust your view. You were worth dying for. You. You. All that you are and all up to now that you've managed to make yourself. You were worth dying for. All the problems, all the sins, all the struggles, all the difficulties. You, you were worth dying for. There is more, and there is hope, and there is a way out of this darkness. But you might need to reach back towards the hand that's reaching for yours. You're not going to find this in the form of a pill, you're not going to find this in the form of more self help. You're not going to find this in another podcast, going to another conference, or any of those things. Those are all great things. But you will find this in community. When you decide that you will take your life and begin to knit it to another soul, someone that will correct you, someone that will cover you, and someone that will compel you forward, there is hope. So please, don't do me this favor. Do yourself this favor and choose from this day forward that you won't live in the place of lethal loneliness any longer. Why? Because you're worth so much more than that.